0: Welcome to Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwen. Celebrate food and life
1: by learning about the culinary scene around the world. Speaking with chefs, artisan food makers, farmers, authors, and tastemakers who are passionate about everything delicious.
0: A very good weekend to you, food lovers. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. If you're hungry for juicy conversation, well then stay tuned. On this show, we celebrate food and life by learning about the culinary scene around the world. Every weekend, you'll hear from chefs and artisan food makers, farmers, authors, experts, and tastemakers who are all passionate about living the best life. Plus, I dish on health and wellness, wine and cocktails, some tech trends and more. So I hope that you will mark your dial and tune in. You can always find podcasts of shows that you might have missed on iTunes under Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwen, And I'm always serving up seconds with recipes galore at chefjamie.com. Oh, please become a fan and a friend as well so that you can see my shameless daily dish of all things delicious. On Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, you'll find me at Chef Jamie Gwen. So let's get to the culinary conversation this hour before we dig into our grand guests, shall we? I like to kick off the show with a tutorial of sorts to make you the best cook you know. And last week, I hopefully, you thought, waxed poetic on mashed potatoes, the very best mashed potatoes To be accurate. And I got an influx of email, which I love. And I was very delighted to share my signature recipe. I thought we'd continue the series of, quote, the very best, unquote. And because I'm big on biscuits, it just feels like biscuit season. Let's dish, shall we? So biscuits were the original traveler's food. Easy to pack, the soldiers and the sailors, they lived on hardtack, as it was called, when other foods weren't available. And food historians report that the French army called it stone bread. The Romans carried their biscuits around the world, bragging that they would last for centuries. And over the years, chefs have invented thousands of breads and crackers and cookies and biscuits. And as a result, we have changed what we define the term biscuit. Biscuit as We do acknowledge our English friends as biscuit experts. However, the Brits believe that Americans are a bit mixed up by the whole biscuit issue. One displaced Englishman notes on this delightful UK-based website that I like to read that here in the USA... A biscuit is a scone and a cookie is a biscuit and it's all very confusing, he says. Well, here in the U.S., a biscuit is a soft-baked pastry using baking powder or soda for leavening instead of yeast. And this quick bread is often made by the hand-beaten drop method, right? What I love about biscuits is that they are super simple and the brilliant biscuits are actually made with less work rather than more. Now, they were an early staple in the South, uh, a hot biscuit smothered with country gravy, a breakfast favorite, right? Biscuits sliced in half, spread with mustard or butter, and served with ham, a Southern must-have party favorite. And adopting the Southern fondness for biscuits, Americans serve biscuits with sweet and savory spreads, could be breakfast, lunch, or dinner. Now, the secret to making and baking the best biscuits as I mentioned, is not overhandling the dough. You mix together your dry ingredients, you cut in the shortening or butter, and you finally add some liquid, mixing only enough to combine the components. Now, the technique is certainly no need because you will develop more gluten and end up with very tough dough and knead as in K-N-E-A-D. If you are using butter, here are my best biscuit tips. I suggest you keep it cold until you use it. Uh, Find a stainless steel pastry utensil that cuts through cold butter and go for it. If you're using lard or shortening, like most great Southern cooks will tell you, um, you can work it even less, in fact. And you'll find there is a difference in flavor uh, and a little bit in texture, but it's very much a preference. Now, the baking of biscuits... Is precise. You want to measure your ingredients carefully. I recommend a nonstick baking sheet or baking parchment or a silicone baking mat as a necessary tool. And some cooks like me, Some chefs like to brush a little melted butter on top of their biscuits before baking. I like a whole lot of melted butter, actually, because for the ideal tender, flaky inside uh, with the contrast of the golden brown outside, I bake my biscuits for a shorter period of time in a very high oven rather than longer in a slow oven. Now, my favorite Southern biscuit recipe uses self-rising flour and baking powder with just a little bit of sugar and some salt and then shortening or butter, which you can use interchangeably up to you. And I choose buttermilk. Now, once you've mastered the biscuit technique, it is... Time to mix it up, of course. So, you could add grated Parmesan or cheddar or crumbled cooked bacon or fresh chives or parsley and go totally savory. For a dessert biscuit… I make a chocolate berry shortcake as I call it. So, I add handfuls of chocolate chips to the biscuit batter or dough rather. And then I serve the biscuits with raspberry jam and a generous helping of freshly whipped cream. They are so good. Now, biscuits have come a long way, but I think they deserve a lot of attention today. So, I say celebrate the long-lived, well-traveled, and completely tasty biscuit and master it. Master a recipe that you can call your own so that you can throw together biscuits at any time. Be it breakfast when you just have a craving or dinner when there are no rolls or bread to serve alongside for dunking or On a lazy Sunday when friends or neighbors stop by, I'm all for a batch of biscuits baking. And they really are super simple. So for the best biscuits you will ever eat, I hope you will try making what we call touch of grace biscuits. Now, I call them, uh, I like to say we, uh, because they were a gift from a glorious female food scientist who in years past you heard on this show... Her name was Shirley Corrier, and she was a tremendous talent. And she shared the recipe with me years ago, and so I want to share it with you. It is the bonus recipe this week. And if you would like the recipe for Touch of Grace biscuits and you want to master the technique, by the way, these are made in a pie pan or a cake pan, preferably. They are baked close together so that they steam and then pulled apart. They are light as air, like a cloud. In fact, you think they might float away. They are that good. And oh, I want you to make them. So email me, jamie, J-A-M-I-E at chefjamie.com. And I will share with you happily my touch of grace biscuits recipe, the bonus recipe this week. And here is to Happy Biscuit Baking from my kitchen to yours. Okay, time for food news. Here's some news you can use. Who says nothing good happens after midnight? I disagree. I'm up way past midnight. Just in time for the holidays though, Stella Artois is introducing a brand new limited edition seasonal beer and it's called Midnight Lager. And they're releasing it next week on Halloween night. So beer lovers rejoice because the new holiday brew, which is a first for the brand, is a black lager with notes of Belgian dark chocolate and freshly brewed espresso. And they're calling it a black and white because the head on the beer goes white while the beer itself in the glass at the base stays black. It is said to be dark, delicious, and perfect for the season. I haven't tasted it yet. It also boasts a new black and gold look, the bottle itself. This limited edition lager is inspired by the midnight sky. So it will be hitting shelves nationwide beginning November 4th, and it is releasing in limited edition on Halloween night. If you are lucky enough for it to be releasing in your city Well, then cheers to you. (laughs) You are in for a ghoulishly good treat. Stella Artois' Midnight Lager set to release. And oh, that is thirst quenching, isn't it? All right. There is so much more fabulous food and delicious conversation coming up in your radio. We have a living legend in the food world sitting down to dish with us. He is the great grandson of Irma Rombauer you know that name, uh, many, many years ago before her time, she released the joy of cooking today, a legacy cookbook that has been completely revised. The new edition of joy of cooking an encyclopedic classic is better than ever. And John Becker is here to tell you all about his family history and what you should be cooking now. Also later in the hour, pasta grannies chronicles the love and talent of Italian nanas and Vicky Benison is here to make pasta with us. Okay. Stay tuned because if food is your fetish, I am supplying the tools right after this chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. Don't go away. This is where informative, entertaining, and delicious conversation abounds. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. What an amazing story. In the nearly 90 years since Irma Rombauer self published the first 3,000 copies of The Joy of Cooking in 1931, it has become the kitchen Bible with more than 20 million copies in print. And there is a new edition of Joy, thoroughly revised and expanded by Irma's great-grandson, John Becker, and his wife, a writer, editor, and artist, Megan Scott. John and Megan developed more than 600 new recipes for this edition. They tested and tweaked thousands of the classics, and they Updated every section of every chapter and every letter to reflect the latest ingredients and techniques available today to home cooks. This new edition is a testament to the classic recipes revisited to bring joy to a new generation of great cooks. And it is filled with new and intense knowledge on very modern cooking practices. And it is really an extraordinary encyclopedia and what a story. John Becker is here to dish on The New Joy of Cooking, just released. John, what a privilege to have you here. Thank you.
2: It's a pleasure to be here, <laughs> and thank you so much for the, the flattering introduction. Yes, of course, and
0: well-deserved. Um, if I went straight to the book and I chose from a recipe, uh, what, 6,400 of them, um, we, we would never get the backstory. So, uh, I would like to start by asking you to chronicle the joy of cooking from 1932, please, if you can, synergistically.
2: Sure, sure. Um, well, yeah, so Irma was a, you know, she had, the, you know, as, as much education as, as uh, a society lady would have, uh, you know, in the 19 uh, 1920s and, um, you know, was married. She uh, became a widow and... Um, Afterwards, she really had no professional skills to fall back upon, and uh, you know her, her daughter, Marianne, and son, Edgar, had moved out. So she came up with the seemingly crazy idea that she was going to publish a book um, and have it printed privately, uh, and so she did. She took half of her life savings and um, uh, published the first edition of The Joy of Cooking and uh, hand-sold it to friends. To family, to uh, cook, yeah, to to book to bookstores. She would just go in and see if they wanted copies. Um, eventually, she got a publishing contract in 19, 1936 with Bob's Barrel, who was like a you know pretty major midwestern publisher at the time, um, no, no longer around. Uh, so yeah, that that first published you know, honest to God published edition had. Uh, a ton of recipes. So that was really like the first big increase. It had, you know, over 2,000 recipes and was, you know, trying to be pretty comprehensive. That was
0: extraordinarily um, industrious of her in the I know. late 1920s to consider how bold she was to think. Okay, I'm gonna make this happen to to find the way as a woman in that time as well, and I'm all for girl power. I, that was extraordinary.
2: Yeah, no, especially when you consider it, it was kind of at the at the beginning of the Great Depression, right? Um, hmm. Yeah, amazing. No, and and she she didn't have any like. Uh, you know, professional training, uh, you know, as far as, far as uh, cooking goes either. She was not even really known as, like, she was not known amongst the family as some sort of uh, fantastic cook, but she huh. definitely had an, a really good sense of, you know, uh, kind of the, the questions and the tribulations we all kind of faced when we first uh, start cooking, and that's yes. exactly how she managed to, you know, meet readers, was wow. as a peer.
0: You know, sure. And, uh, not and
2: necessarily as an authority.
0: She surely had the knowledge because it remains valuable information in the book. And then subsequent editions all the way until 1997 when the 75th anniversary edition released, right, were all from the, the family line.
2: Right, right, right. So, yeah. So Irma was involved with um, two more editions. Okay. One, one of them was published in World War II – uh, it actually had a lot of information in it on how to cope with rationing, mm. uh, wartime rationing. Really interesting. Uh, and then her last edition uh, came in 1951. Um, all, all of them uh, wonderful to look at. And yes, kind of, of course. Of what the, you know, like what was going on at that time. And then I have you know, my dates
0: wrong because you mentioned I, I said 97 and then the 75th anniversary followed that. Yeah, in 2000. In two thousand six, so ever since nineteen seventy five, your family g- generationally has been involved directly in the updates of the book.
2: Yes, absolutely. Uh, so Marion took over after. I mean, Marion was Marion Romer Becker was involved in the in some of the early editions, especially her artwork, which uh, mm. adorns the first edition. Yes, uh, she published two editions, which are pretty much. I mean, I rightfully considered like the classic and what most of us would think of as the modern joy of cooking. Uh, it added a ton of reference information, uh, mm. uh, more international recipes, more French recipes in the sixties kind of, you know, when Americans were trying to cook more of that kind of cuisine. Right. Um, she was really like the systematizer. The, she mm. was like the the, the bookworm. Mm. And in fact, she was pretty much my inspiration for, you know, how to, how to Move Forward with Joy in 2019. That's um,
0: your grandmother.
2: My grandmother. May
0: correct. she rest in peace. Then it followed to your father and then to correct. you.
2: Yes. It wasn't, wasn't uh, a just done amazing. deal. I was never like, I never forced into it, but mm. I came to it on my own and I think that was a great way to do it. Um, I definitely, no doubt. Uh, definitely had some experiences uh, just doing like, you know, kind of scholarly research on on other subjects and, you know. By the end of it, I was actually kind of, I was like, oh, my God, now I have something to offer. <laughs> <I'm>, uh, <laughs>
0: I, I think you have a listen. whole lot to offer, John. I, you are classically culinary trained, and there is something truly beautiful about your family legacy like no other. So then take us to your strategy for the revision. This revision, um, now in its complete form, the new joy of cooking, as I call it, uh, is released in 2019 and you've brought it completely current
2: as as much as we possibly could we we um, you know kicked the tires if you will for every section of every chapter um, you know we we had some experience uh, going into it you know we, we so the first thing we did when we were started working for the family was just to cook through the last edition, the 2006 edition, um, and do genealogies of when those recipes were added uh, to Joy of Cooking. So, you know, was this added in the 1943 edition? Was it, uh, you know, the 1951? And then kind of we wanted to get an understanding of how those recipes had changed over time, and that gave us a really good kind of, um, I guess we, you could call it a graduate course in Joy of Cooking history. Sure. Um, and then <laughs> we, uh, we helped to develop an app uh, out of the last edition and which basically entailed taking it apart and putting it back together in a different form right. and after both after both of those experiences uh, you know we started feeling confident that we had something to offer and uh, you know kind of a good basis a good base of knowledge for moving forward with the next
1: joy.
0: okay John, if you would please pause there when we come back more on the new joy of cooking chef Jamie Gwen in your radio Just tuned in your late Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. We're dishing on the American classic, the culinary resource, almost a hundred years now. The Joy of Cooking, the book originally self-published in 1931 by Irma Rombauer, followed in multiple subsequent editions of revision by the family that continues to truly embrace The Joy of Cooking, John Becker is here. He is the great-grandson of Irma and uh, the true creator behind this new revision. The Joy of Cooking recently re-released, and so we're dishing. I love that you and Megan added, and I think you would make your great-grandmother very proud to know Uh, that you added a much larger array of ingredients. I mean, you cover za'atar and sous vide as a method of cooking, and you are um, a a lover of fire and smoke. And so there are uh, barbecue and smoking recipes and outdoor cooking methods that are considered as well in in great detail. Um, If you would, share a classic recipe that you and Megan make at home, one that, you know, Irma... Would have made, and then share the counterpart, a, a new recipe today, and and the the compare contrast of the two.
2: Sure. Well, I mean, I was thinking of uh, you know one of the one of our favorite desserts that we you know it's not something that we I grew up with, and we actually first discovered it when we tested uh, the recipe from the last edition of Joy. But we really like the apple dumplings recipe, and that one mm. definitely dates back to 1931. Mm, um, amazing. It's just a fantastic really simple but satisfying and really warming dish um how are they cooked fall in the winter months yes it's just a fantastic thing
0: how are they cooked the dumplings
2: well they're they're baked you know so you take apple halves you know we my favorite my absolute favorite variety is a little hard to find we can only get it like for a sliver of time here but um, Ashmead's Kernel, I don't know if you've heard of it. But I don't know it. It's sweet and tart, and it's oh. also uh, very crisp. Um, so I, so go,
0: I go for a honey crisp when you ask for that description.
2: Yeah, yeah. So it's like a honey crisp, except imagine that, you know, even sweeter and Even and better. More. Okay, well, <laughs> yeah. se- send
0: some over, please, John, when you find them again. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I'll, I'll get right on that. Yeah, please.
0: Uh-huh, sure. So the apples so they, are halved.
2: The apples are halved. They're wrapped in a, in a, in a pastry, to a pie dough. Right. And, um, you know, the, you, you uh, bring the corners of the pie dough up, and then you bake them off, um, uh, drizzled with a syrup, and, uh, you know, it's just it's fantastic. Mm. It's a wonderful dish, especially with... Uh, you know, just adding a drizzle of cream at the end, or or a scoop of ice cream, uh, sure. has that's been known to happen. Oh. So, so yeah, of really course, like
0: sure. I, I'm 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 sure that has happened. Uh, so <laughs> so warm and homey. Uh, and, and rustic, really, before the term rusticity was popular, right? Like, we're going to have a rustic dessert. Irma was way before her time. And then do you have a, a counterpart to a recipe today that you and Megan love that's new in the joy of cooking?
2: Well, I was thinking of a savory recipe, mm-hmm. um, just, but also equally warming. Uh, we added a kimchi stew, um, which is just a fantastic way to use, you know, kind of that really nice, funky Uh, tangy. Yes. You know, kimchi that you have. Um, But yeah, now it's it's got a little bit of pork belly in it, a little bit of tofu. It's it's just a fantastic, fantastic, full of flavor. Mm. Um, Definitely something that we pull out a lot this time of year.
0: I love that you've given a generous nod to the ethnic influence of great cuisine we have in this country now. I mean, you highlight a chana masala, a beef rundang, there is lots of tofu and uh, tempeh and a roasted mushroom burger that looks absolutely delicious. (laughs) What would Irma think of that? Or, or even your grandmother? What would Marion think?
2: I'm not sure how Irma, you know, Irma was a big uh, fan of, 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 you know, Strong flavors, I think. Mm. Marianne Marion was more uh, interested in things. that were, I think the highest compliment she could give a dish, according to my father, was that it was delicately flavored. Ah. <laughs> so, but she was also the she was also the researcher, and she had this uh, intense desire to make a, you know a complete reference work. So I think she would she might not appreciate some of the more flavorful, <laughs> you know, spicy recipes that we now have or sure. our prodigious use of garlic but i think that she would appreciate <laughs> our uh our attempt to try to cover basically everything that uh you know home cooks will could run into in a, in a you know a specialty market or just the grocery store
0: yeah the, the breadth of recipes she would appreciate I, oh, yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think it is fascinating, truly, that so many years of family legacy go into a cookbook that can be so current but so nostalgic at the same time. Um, I would love for you to tell me how good Megan's seeded olive oil granola is, because I am always in pursuit of a new <laughs> granola recipe.
2: It's fantastic. You could call it well done <laughs> or... Uh, oh,
0: Caramelized.
2: Caramelized, you know, caramelized sugars, really toasty. Nice. Um, she actually, uh, start, she, developed, she developed that recipe when, uh, we, when we first started working for the book. We were living in a pretty rural area of eastern Tennessee. Huh. And uh, she had a, for a, a tiny bit, she had a, a farmer's market baking business. And that granola was, you know, one of the evergreen products that she always
0: brought to market. It was the hit. fantastic. Oh, and she shared the recipe. That was very generous of her. Megan, wherever you are, we know you weren't available to sit down and dish, but thank you. Um, Talk about the new chapters. Um, You talk about economizing, avoiding waste. Um, Those are very nouveau concepts for a cookbook that was originally released in 1931. And I wonder how you meld the concepts, you know, how you create the synergy.
2: Sure. Well, you know, it's, it's really not that far of a jump from some of the things that concerned uh, Irma and Marion, both who who kind of wrote about them in different ways. Um, you know, one of the new chapters that we have uh, is actually entitled Streamlined Cooking, uh, after a book that uh, Irma published between Joy Joy editions, uh, actually in 1939.
0: God, Irma idea... was a workhorse, John.
2: <laughs> yeah, no. No, uh, prolific. For
0: prolific, sure. for sure. Gosh.
2: No, no. But in, the, in that book, she was all about convenience foods. She wanted to, you know, kind of uh, offer, I guess you could call them hacks for, you know, cooks of the day, whether that was, um, you know, uh, creative meal planning or pressure. You know, she actually was talking about pressure cookers in 1939.
0: Way ahead of her um, time. Yeah,
2: no, I think that she would be pleased with the resurgence of, uh, you know, pressure cookers, especially ones that don't, don't threaten to blow up. Right, right, they um,
0: don't, don't <laughs> leave things on the ceiling, right, the fear. Exactly. Yes, and so no, she that, really but, was way ahead.
2: Yeah, for sure, and Marion was also very anti-waste, and huh. um, so, you know, we try to kind of address those issues in the streamlined cooking chapter, like from a practical perspective, so instead of thinking of cooking as you know, oh, I'm just going to go to the grocery store uh, after making a list and then cook, cook this recipe, you know, it, that's more of a performance, you know. It's not necessarily like uh, a way to live or a way to continue living day to day. And so we try to address that uh, in the streamlined cooking chapter as to, you know, how to kind of make cooking instead of it, um, you know, it being a performance, kind of make it into a habit, into uh, a, pr- a daily practice. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. So you know, creative meal planning, where you know, say you roast a chicken one night, and you know, you serve that simply with some vegetable sides. So perhaps, like the next night, you do something else with it. You make enchiladas. You make, um, let's you know, make stock from the bones, and then uh, perhaps like, make a chicken soup with some of the leftover meat. Um, you know, that kind of thing. Sure. And also, you know, how to use vegetable scraps. We uh, spend, you know, most of the time when we make stock these days, we're usually doing it from, you know, we keep a stock bag in the freezer and we kind of go into how to, how to, you know, what, what are the best practices for doing that.
0: This new edition of True Joy, The Joy of Cooking, is the new Bible, an encyclopedia of classic recipes, new dishes, indispensable reference information for today's great cooks. Um, joy of cooking is, and has been the essential and trusted guide for home cooks for almost a century. And this new addition continues that legacy. So buy one for the son or daughter, the food lover, um, the great cook in your life and allow them to hold it sacred because this is a legacy that continues, uh, Joy of Cooking in its newest edition, its newest form, 600 new recipes, more than 4,000 favorites revised and updated, uh, was uh, brought to life by John Becker and Megan Scott. And the book is available now and already a bestseller on Amazon, as it should be in fine bookstores everywhere. And you can follow. The handle is the joy of cooking. John, a pleasure. Thank you for sharing your family's passion and for once again continuing the legacy. It's
2: an honor to be on your show. Hmm. Thank well, you
0: thank so you. Much. As the delicious conversation continues, we have the greatest culinary thinkers here. So you wouldn't dare touch your dial. Now, would you? There's lots more fabulous food in your radio right after this. Don't go away. Inspired ideas in your radio. Welcome back. Chef Jamie Gwen here. Vicki Benison is a filmmaker and a historian. Five years ago, she set out to preserve the art of handmade pasta by turning Italy's grannies into stars. Her hugely popular YouTube channel, Pasta Grannies, chronicles the love and talent of Italian nonas as they share their art of cooking. And Vicky's new cookbook release is a collection of those time-perfected Italian recipes from the people who have spent a lifetime cooking for love, not a living, a testament to the living legacy and heart of Italian grandmothers transporting you into the very heart of the Italian home to learn how to make extraordinary Italian food, Pasta Grannies is more than just a compendium of dishes. It tells the extraordinary stories of these beloved women and shows you that with the right knowledge, truly authentic Italian cooking is simple and beautiful and entirely achievable. And the book is a work of art. Vicki Benison is here to dish, and I am delighted. Vicki, welcome.
1: Thank you very Mm -hmm. much indeed for
0: inviting me. Yes, of course. And uh, kudos to you for uh, putting history into video, for memorializing it. Uh, Tell us how you conjured up the idea to document the talent of these Italian nonas, please. I love that you have a granny finder. That's a very loving term.
1: Before I met Livia, um, I noticed that um, only older women um, made pasta by hand in the area where I'm lucky enough to have a home, which is Marque, um central Italy. And, and I sort of thought, well, this is very sort of sad, really, mm. although inevitable, because women these days... Um, have to go out to work and simply don't have the time to make pasta. Um, and also, of course, there are little pasta shops on every corner. So if you've got that around the corner, then, you know, why bother at home? Um, so that's why I thought, well, you know, someone needs to make a record of this because, mm. you know, we all know that nonnas are the best cooks. But what they'll be cooking in 20 years' time is not going to be the same thing. Um, so I picked up a camera and I started um, recording initially women local to me in La um, but then, of course, the project expanded, and um, that's where Livia, my granny finder, sort of, uh, came on the scene, and she and I decide um, which area we're going to go to next and um, which pastors we need to film. And five years later, here we hmm. are.
0: <laughs> and your million-plus followers are truly dedicated every week to learning from a new granny. So you highlight the beauty of this uh, much honed skill, I would say, by sharing uh, the expertise, the passion, the love, and the recipes of these nonas. And now you've documented them. And I can't tell you, I see a lot of cookbooks, Vicky, but this is so packed with information, with knowledge. Like I wanted to take it to bed with me, hoping that it would all seep in. You know, honestly, <laughs> by yes, by osmosis alone. And the the knowledge on the pages is just really invaluable. I mean, there is no other way we would have been able to, uh, to capture all of this intelligence if you hadn't documented it. Um, so share your robust knowledge, please, after spending time in hundreds of Italian home kitchens now. Can we make pasta by hand together? Uh, or, or at least the basics of it, you say that in all of these nonas' homes that you've gone into, uh, almost none of them weigh anything. Isn't that true?
1: Um, they don't weigh anything because they've had decades, decades of experience um, yes. under their belts. Mm-hmm. Um, so most of the women that I filmed started making pasta when they were about 5, 6, maybe 10 years old. And their grannies gave them little bits of pasta to play with and that's how they learn what it should feel like. Um, so they've never bothered uh, to measure things out. They just go by the feel of the pasta.
0: And really by the you know thousandth time we do it, we should get there, yes. Ho- hopefully. Vicki Benison's mission with Pasta Grannies is to save traditions and share skills from one Nonna at a Time. Through her YouTube video series and social media, and now through the release of this extraordinary cookbook, she is sharing practical advice from the great nonnas or grannies in Italy to master pasta at home. And you can feel the love in the book, truly. Pasta Grannies is already a bestseller on Amazon and available in fine bookstores everywhere. You can follow uh, Vicky's extraordinary culinary escapades at pasta grannies and find her YouTube channel ever growing under the same name. Vicky, thank you again for sharing your passion. Thank you. And so that brings us to the end of another hour of delicious conversation. And I do hope that I fed your soul. If you're hungry for more, check out chefjamie.com and please become a friend on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Chef Jamie Gwen but don't go yet. Let me leave you with my last bite, my last ounce or tidbit of gastronomic inspiration for the weekend. Halloween is upon us. And while I love a meal of candy, don't get me wrong, you're going to need to put out some snacks or a spread, of course, before the trick-or-treaters arrive. I vote for what I call Halloween hummus on your table. It's a pumpkin hummus, uh, a twist on everyone's favorite protein-packed snack, and it's full of autumn flavor. So it's perfect for Fright Night. It's actually really fun, served with homemade, what I call scary tortilla chips. I cut them out, uh, the tortillas themselves, into ghost shapes and bake them off. You could do pita triangles. You could do veggies as well. And if you wanted a sweet twist, you could make homemade cinnamon sugar baked tortilla chips and add a tablespoon of maple syrup to the hummus. The hummus is very simply canned garbanzo beans that have been drained and rinsed with pure pumpkin puree, some tahini, lemon, garlic, cumin, and toasted pumpkin seeds for garnish. And I will post the recipe on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram now at Chef Jamie Gwen. So please grab it. So here's to a ghoulishly good Halloween and a delicious week. Oh, almost forgot to mention, will you please tune in this coming Monday night October 28 at 8 p.m. Pacific, 11 p.m. Eastern, I will be back on HSN, Home Shopping Network, and we are launching a new appliance that you Food lover, oh, you will want this. Wait till your charcuterie board hears about this professional meat slicer at an exceptional value. I hope to see you on HSN. And I hope you'll tune in next weekend when there is lots more in your radio to dish on. I thank you for listening. I'm Chef Jamie Wen, signing off and I hope you continue to eat well.